Hey, Melody. Hey, Peter. Sup, Drew. Hey. Welcome to How College Works. So today, um, while we're all, all three of us anyway, stewing in uncertainty about the fall, uh, <laughs> Melody brought up a question which I thought was fantastic, which was, what happens if a student takes a gap semester or a gap year? Um, because, and I want to get out get out of the way sort of the, the reasons why, and then we can talk about like what that might mean for a student or for a college or for a high school. Um, the reasons why is like all three of us, I think have soldiered our way, fought our way through half a semester of online learning. And it's a lot difficult, uh, a lot more difficult for students than in person, uh, for many anyway. Uh, <clears throat> and so I think it's, perfectly understandable for a student to be like, well, if I'm going to have just online learning happening in the fall, maybe I'll just not go. Maybe I'll just wait and go in the spring or take a whole gap year and be like, this year it's a wash. We'll wait till this whole COVID thing is like legitimately under control and whatever. And now next, not this coming fall, but the fall after 2021, well, that's when we'll go or when we'll go back. So, um, Let's start off with what that means for the student. Good, bad, indifferent. Thoughts? Well, pre-COVID, lots, I mean, not lots, but a certain percentage of students would take a gap year. Um, sometimes people aren't ready for college, and that's, I think, really good when you recognize that and you take the time to kind of mature, maybe make some money or do whatever you want. Um, I mean, some students travel. I didn't come from that background, so I can, I'm like, must be nice. If you have the um, money to travel, it would be nice. If you don't, it would be nice to go to college with more money. Yeah, or yeah. With more money yeah. to pay for college, you know? Well, and then some people don't know what they want to do. Even the idea of taking like gen ed classes seems like a potential waste, or maybe they're just not sure college is a good fit for them. And I, I really support that. Um, and so I think it can be really good for certain students who know those things or are uncertain. Um, and I have certainly come across several students who I think would have benefited from taking that year, whether that's to kind of figure out what they want or maybe to grow up a little um, or those kinds of things. So I'm generally, I think, um, in favor of a gap year for those who need or want it, I guess. I would say that resonates with my, not my personal experience, but I have uh, a few friends that came into college with me in my, in my year, my cohort, I guess, uh, who did a year and then dropped out. It was, there was, it was, they weren't ready. It was, they weren't bad or immature necessarily really, but it's like, they kind of, there was a pressure release, I think for them when they, when they came and they just kind of went wild a little bit in terms of for the, at that time, for that person, it was like up all night playing EverQuest, which was the first MMO. And uh, then like, it just did not translate well <laughs> coming into the next year. They're like, yeah, I'm gonna step away for a while. And they, I mean, they're successful. They're you know happily married and everything like that. So it's not like that really hurt them in the long run. I think that gap was really, really good for them. Um, Drew, what about you, your thoughts? So that we're talking about how this, how taking fall semester off or even full school year would impact the students. Yes. And I was yeah. thinking pre-COVID, um, right. just because I think 
there are different reasons for choosing a gap year now versus, you know, two years ago. Yeah, I think that's a very fair estimate. So, yeah, normally I think we would say if you thought you were, I'm, we're speaking of 2018, right? <laughs> if, you were, if you were expecting to go to college and, you know, uh, applied, accepted, enrolled, whatever, and then decided to take your year off for whatever reasons, then I think you're right. Typically that would mean that that student um, is way more likely to not return or to not complete a four-year degree mm. in the seven years given or whatever. Six. Um, <laughs> six yeah. So I know that that's true. I had a student who did a research project on a gap year because she had taken one. Mm -hmm. And granted, this has been at least three years ago. Um, but the data that she presented suggested that it's not necessarily true that it's like a significantly lower rate of mm -hmm. completion. Oh. I don't, I don't have a citation for that. Okay. Well, <laughs> neither do I. So we're, we're, you know, I'll take your students research over my anecdotes. Um, <laughs> but it's always a possibility, right? I mean, that, well, so, but I'm just thinking as from a 18 year old or 17, 18 year old, 19 year old, maybe finishing completing high school, you know, uh, and then starting in the fall or anticipating to start in the fall um, and then deciding to take that first year off mm. without mm. ever starting. I have a perception based on nothing that, that that would be a real challenging return. Uh, or, you know, for me, if I, I dropped a bunch of classes, but i never dropped a whole semester. Um, no, wait, I did. <laughs> anyway, and, and, and the, you know, you get your own inside your own head on coming back and saying, yeah. ah, those people that were there are still there. And they, you know, they know that I was there and, and then I was gone and now I'm back. And how are they going to, so you get inside, inside your own head on returning, even if it's a year later, you know, yeah. that can be in your own head. And so I think that was the case back in, in the previous day. And in this day, you're right. There's other considerations as far as, you know, health and family business and, you know, um, jobs and work and, and um, rent payments. And there's just practicalities. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so I've heard um, just anecdotally, you know, um, from some people who have high school age students um, as, you know, children or whatever, and people who teach high school who are in contact with their high school kids that um, like, they're not necessarily super psyched about being online. No. Um, and yeah. I don't know if that, I kind of get a mixed bag in terms of, well, maybe that's not the best learning environment for me. You know, maybe they've been online the last half of their senior year and maybe they're like, this sucks. I don't want to, this is not working. Well, it's not like the, yeah, the sales pitch for, for online this semester wasn't very good. <laughs> no. But, yeah. And I'm kind of like, well, I'm not sure a half-assed class where we were forced to be online midway. Yeah. The good Literally half-assed. Right, yeah. well, that's so, so many of the critiques is, is, and you know, I hope that in the future, this episode is one that everybody skips because they, it's no longer relevant, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, I think that, yes, I've read a lot of articles or critiques saying um, this is not what online learning is. This is emergency learning in an online platform. And that's yeah. truly the case currently. I hope that by fall we have something better sussed out, but um yeah. 
no, so that's, no. one, that's one story I'm hearing is like, well, I'm just, this isn't a good learning environment for me, which I think is valid. If you know that you need something different that is not going to be available to you, um, that's something to consider. But I've also heard the, the like, well, that I'm going to miss out on the college experience. You know, I want to live in the dorms. I want to go to the football games. I want to, you know, join the clubs and those kinds of things. I guess, what are your thoughts on taking a gap year for those reasons? So like, oh, the effect of missing out on the college experience? Yeah. I, I don't think we're, I don't, I don't think that's a relevant reason any, anymore. I could be very wrong, but so many of our universities have paused or changed drastically our sports experience. There by, are sports in the fall. Let's know, be not, not by, not by some kind of arbitrary choice either. And, you know, the rules that are being passed out to different institutions are um, dictating how our living situations are to where like cramped up dorm living is not always the best. <laughs> like, right. I, th I think that that argument is, is changed at, at best. And, yeah. and, and totally yeah, pointless I, at, at where, I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I think, I think Drew's right in that the, the, what the college experience is will be different in the fall than it has been in the past. So that's where I was, I was, I was reading about the impact, because I, I think we had discussed maybe three weeks ago, uh, uh, like some of these ideas, and I said, well, wh what happened in 1918, mm. you know, to universities? Right. And that's oh, when I looked it up. up didn't we? we looked it up, and it was really it was devastating for universities. Yeah. It there was no they dropped tuition to near zero just to try to get people to attend. This is 1918, so it was a very different country too. It was rural and whatever. Well, and a very different population going to college. But, different population yeah. going to college, but we still had land grant universities. We still had like our education system and and what have you. But um, a lot of universities shut their doors because they couldn't pay the bills. And, that, and that's the other piece too, is that these are um, like, voluntary is not the right word, but like not quite, not the public institution the way K-12 is compulsory. If, if I end up having to support distance learning uh, in the fall with K-12, it's these, these students have to have an education offered to them by the state. That's, that's a, that's, it has to happen versus you know, universities have to entice their students to choose to pay money to get the college experience, which is not happening. And they could just as easily fly over to New Zealand where everything's chill and go to college. They're not going to let us into New Zealand. <laughs> they shouldn't. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> Looks like you have to take a gap semester just to de-quarantine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you've already touched on like the other half of the coin, which is like, what does a gap mean? What does a gap semester a year mean for the student? Um, you know, like there's always a possibility of not going back. Um, and I do think some students have legitimate reasons that you mentioned, like health. There are some people who literally cannot expose themselves um, or they have a family member that they can't bring things home to or they need to work because other things have shifted and now everyone yeah. has to contribute or, I totally you know mom and dad were were making it happen with two jobs each and and now they've each lost one job and we got to pick up a, a shift and that's where you know the 18 year old is now available um, 
And those are just practicalities. So everybody's numbers, every university's numbers are going to decrease no matter what. Everybody's online offerings are going to increase no matter what. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so if the people who don't like online are going to be hunting and pecking to find a, a you know, a 16 hour course load of face to face, I think it's going to be a rare schedule. Right. Because we were just talking, I was talking to like the IT guy and he's like, well, you know, there are some classes that might be able to get away with it. Like pottery, like you literally cannot, you know, <laughs> well, we're talking Which about like, is that a required course for some art majors. Maybe it is. And they have to have it. I don't mm-hmm. know, but like, that's not a class that you can do virtually. Right. Right. Um, well, even if yeah. we're on all on, on campus, the social distancing we're, requirements mean that effectively the number of people students that can be in my classroom right halved Uh and so that may mean that half the students are going to show up and we'll have it they'll be in person and half will be remote and then the next day yeah but i don't know how financially viable it is for for universities is one thing and and but to do i've got half kids and the same number of teachers like the teacher cost and the equipment cost, even pottery, like, okay, I could watch a whole bunch of videos, but I need a potter's wheel and clay. I can yeah. buy clay, but can I get a potter's wheel? That's not practical. Yeah. I mean, if you're so, doing labs with half kids in the room, you're also getting half income for that hour. Well, it depends. Like, so, so for my labs, if I can have half the students in the room and half the students remote and working with them at the same mm-hmm. time, then I can have a full course complement. But this mm-hmm. kind of touches on, you know, one of the things I was thinking about in terms of Melody's question, which is like, what does this mean for colleges and universities mm-hmm. if a substantial number of students take a gap year? And this is different than the question of whether those students should. That is a personal question which the students and their family need to answer. Right. And uh, what we're about to talk about should in no way impinge upon that. Um, but from someone who works at a small college, I will say, you know, it would be uh, if, say, half the students that would be showing up next semester decide that they're just not going to go, they're going to wait till fall or spring or they'll wait till the next fall, it would be devastating. Mm-hmm. You know, half of our, of our budget comes from student tuition. So if half well, and that's students- actually like... I, a lot of institutions are more like 70, 75% tuition driven. And so 50% is like, oh, well, we might be able to be okay. We We're might be able to be okay. <laughs> yeah. What's, so what have you, <clears throat> at, at my um, district, we have reached out at this point in the year to parents and, mm-hmm. you know, gathered information. I hope that we, carry on doing that through the summer um has your institute have your institutions um gathered that type of feedback from i guess the students uh, the parents are paying but it's the students who are going to decide if they want to go or not right I as far as like the the reality of it right yeah i think they have it's i mean it, that is at above my pay grade yeah, they haven't so, shared it with us. I think there have been surveys and emails and stuff that have gone out just to kind of gauge. Um, but we, I think they're gathering that data in order to make a final decision and they haven't, they're not ready to share that yet. Okay, right. well, can I, if, if, if you'll let me, <laughs> I, mean, I won't tell you how to do your job, but <laughs> oh, okay. um, I sat in a meeting with, with uh, about 85 people 
from a Zoom meeting. It was actually, it was a Google Meet, but whatever. So I cut all those brands out. Diet Coke. Um, about 85 educators representing different districts in California, all around California, uh, and our Google for Education representative guy. He was hosting. That's why we're all there. Anyway, essentially every single district in, in my state, uh, based on that representative sample of 85, is planning, preparing for anywhere between 7 and 20% budget cuts starting July 1. And of the, the people who have sent um, surveys home to parents, it's anywhere between 10 and 15% of parents are planning on keeping their children at home. Even if we open phase four fully face-to-face -face and everything's copacetic, they will remain at home. And so for us, that means we need to recapture attendance uh, money. So we will be, no matter what, offering a distance learning option for for that 10% of my students is a lot of um, kids and, and yearly budget that would mean, and it's like 30 teachers. Like the, the, the amount of kids, the teachers that those kids represent is like almost 30 classrooms of, we don't need you anymore because they're at home. Not right. that, like if, if we do nothing, if we plan for nothing, then those kids will enroll in online virtual academy, CK-12 online learning, whatever, and that ADA attendance money that we get from the state and the federal government goes to that institution and not us. So we don't have a budget to maintain those teachers unless we offer an online platform for our own neighborhood students, right? So we're kind of tied in to delivering 10 to 20% of online platform. So you're, you're, you know, people who are above your pay grade they must be gathering this information and planning for it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, part of the thing I think that's going on with my institution I, is that, you know, we're asked to plan for a fully remote, half remote time, yeah. you know, half remote at the same time, you know, right. because, you know, uh, we're under, as, as professors, we're under contract. And those of us who are tenured, like, is really hard to get rid of us. You have to get rid of everybody else before us, basically. Um, and so if we have a 25% budget hit because we don't have any tuition coming from 50% of the students who don't come back to campus, then that's going to be huge. It's like hemorrhaging. Yeah. Does that, does that mean you no longer have extra programs? You no longer had adjunct professors? Everybody yeah. takes a pay cut? How, what does that look like for you? you? You can't take a pay cut from me. It's in my contract, which has I, already been set out. Unless you, well, at least for me, I'm not in a private school anymore. If they have financial exigency, yes, they can. Yeah, That's true. State, That's true. Yeah, they, have, yeah. they have to declare financial exigency, yeah. exigency, which means like, hey, we don't have the money. Yeah. Um, but... There are still a lot of things which are overhead that are not salaries that are just keep the lights on, you know, like. Right, right. It just, there's a startup everywhere. cost to just turning the lights on in the building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Like you got to keep the library at the right temperature and humidity because. Otherwise <laughs> all your books, all that investment's gone. Yeah. You know, with that, that Gutenberg Bible that's at U of M is going to melt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you got a, if you got a pool then you got to maintain all the stuff for that pool, you can't just let it sit or you got to yeah. go through the big cost of draining it. 
You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots and lots of, of money that, that is spent simply to keep the lights on that is not my salary. Um, and you got to go through a lot of hoops to reduce my salary, which we don't want to do, right? Well, because I don't, so I, uh, I'm on a couple of different Facebook groups and stuff. Um, and so our admin, meaning our president, our provost, and the vice presidents have already taken a 10% salary cut. That's real nice of them, but that's only like five grand. <laughs> Except for it's not. I mean, they, are, for, they, do, they do make a lot more money than I. I would say 10% for them. That's like $100,000. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the, and the coaches, I guess. But so, and this group I'm in, like, that's pretty, that's, it's not uncommon. There are dozens of schools and there's a list out there somewhere. If somebody knows that that's cool. Um, where admin, like admin have preemptively taken the salary cut in order mm -hmm. to kind of help. But in my opinion, and this is me being negative, that's just to make my salary cut feel less whenever it comes. But yeah, it is probably true. I mean, all, all of us taking a 20% salary cut is way more impactful than the president or the provost taking a 20% salary cut yeah. because there's just more of us. Yeah. Well, At the same time, like the public, the public opinion um, is already being set. Okay. When the news articles are already coming out in, I don't know what in your States, but in my state, I'm already reading about here are the top. And I think it listed off a big number, 25 uh, public employees. So that's K-12. We're, we're, you know, quasi public. My paycheck's coming from the state government. Um, getting paid over six figures and it listed there's, I mean, it's public. My, my salary is public, but here's these people and it's the coach. It's the football coach at UCLA or wherever. And it's the K-12 uh, superintendent and blah, 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 that are making 250, that are making 360,000. And, and it had a big long list of names and salaries. And it's like, in one sense, yeah, okay. Some of those are out of bounds, like a little, it, it, it's a bad look and it's hard to get past that bad look to like, here's, hey, all your taxpayer public money is going to these people. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, well, where were you guys like 10 years ago? They, yeah. it's not like they got magically raised up last year to 375,000 a year. Sure. But that's not that much in California, is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's more than, way more than I make. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, well, and so like, um, I know that Peter's institution doesn't rely very heavily on adjuncts, but my institution does. And we've already, and the English department is, tends to be an adjunct heavy department anyway because of first year writing. Um, we had to cancel all of our adjunct classes. And we already have lower enrollment. It was trending down anyway. And now we're down like almost 300 first year students. So we were able to let those people go and close those sections. Um, but if by some miracle we get more students, then we're going to have to take up the extra teaching load, probably for no pay. <laughs> They'll find some way around it. Um, so like this has like a pretty big impact in terms of, like those people lost their jobs, you know, that's really unfortunate. And now um, we have way fewer classes. We're down quite a bit. So it's, I mean, it's going to have an impact for years to come because that means we're going to have a small class next year for sophomores and it's just mm -hmm. going to continue. So this is not a one year thing. This is yeah. years of recovery. There's like a big hit in the, uh, to your adjuncts 
because they can't get hired. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a lot more work to do probably for the same or less pay. Um, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Did you have yeah. something about yeah, that so from the high school side? When we talked about, well, so at this point, my team is um, a, a lot focused on elementary. I think it's, it's slightly different in high school, but we did talk about what our distance ISP would look like, how that would play out, what's the practicalities. Uh, and and we did mention, it. you know, a lot of these parents are going to say, we don't want to come back, even if you're fully open, until there's a vaccine, until there's a, a, a treatment. Um, a cure, whatever that looks like, uh, we're not going to be back on campus. So delivering to them. But I said, look, look, one of your your registration pages ought to say, or one question or one half page should say, um, what is your transition plan back to, back to quote normal, back to on campus? Right? So were you planning on having your kid back in at seventh grade, back in at ninth grade, back in for 12th grade graduation at, at all face to face, or were you playing some, some, I keep hearing about some kids uh, and I have not met one yet who were just excelling at this online and really just loving it and they're doing better and they're less anxious and whatever. I'm like, where are these students? I haven't seen them, but I'm sure they exist. So those students, maybe we start the plan saying you're enrolling in, independent study distance uh are you going to stay there through 12th grade that's the plan and then we have a piece of paper to come back to each semester each year and say hey your plan was to stay till seventh grade stay till 12th do you want to carry that on what's best for the student and we have a conversation piece to transition back to normal Mm -hmm. sorry back to -to face-to-face if that's a good option is your college doing something thinking of something similar as far as like, hey, I'm taking a gap here. All right, well, we've got your email and you're, you're still accepted and we will transition your acceptance to January conditional and reconnect in November about it. I, I have no so. idea. <laughs> I know that some, I know that I've heard that lots of universities are honoring acceptances saying, you know, like if you want to wait till January or till the following August, you're still accepted. That's no big mm. deal. Um, I don't know. Easy for me to say that it it, it seems like a great idea. Like I said, easy for me to say, because you know, you're going to decline enrollment, but you also know I got this guy on the hook. I need to keep, you know, baiting the line (laughs) to get him in here for January. I mean, it's also, I, I thought that when Drew, you and I went to college, if you were accepted, they were required by law, and this is totally hearsay and may not have been true even at the time, uh, to honor your admittance a year later. So you're like, yes, oh. you are enrolled. And you're like, yes, I will be there, not this coming fall, but the fall after that. And, and I, I, that. I, don't know, I don't know enough about even 1998 to speak about that. <laughs> yeah, so like this is like 18-year-old Peter hearing this, so who knows? How reliable this information is. Yeah, <laughs> like twenty years later. True. I mean, that could be true, but I have like seen statements from universities saying we will honor your acceptance. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. in the following year. So if it was one of those things, maybe they're like people don't know about this. Yeah. Well, I think that's got to be a, a win-win for them to say like, hey, I know I'm going to be missing people in the fall, but I've still got these guys on the on the line for January, new people coming in on the line for January and fall 2021. Like that, 
they know they're not going to get a hundred percent of what they would have gotten. So yeah. to extend the acceptance is not a losing prospect. Right. Well, and it's, if my recollection of what somebody told me, you know, 22 years ago was, is true, uh, which it may not be then it's, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> highly it's, unlikely. Yeah. Cost them nothing. Right. If they're required to do it anyways, you're just telling them something that is already true. Right. It's not well, like you have to do any extra work. I can't imagine. And, but there might be a couple of places like this where they're like, we literally don't have room for a regular freshman class and an extra third or whatever. Um, but like, as far as I know, most mm -hmm. colleges are declining with enrollment. And so we would gladly take the extra third. I think we're, yeah. And it's easy for, again, based on nothing except anecdotal and watching how K-12 is working. I don't think we're going to get a regular first year course for a while. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the population's just not going to support the kind of stuff, right? Is that kind of what you're getting? Yeah, if we have yeah, like, but, well, I, I think that we're going to see, um, just economically, we're going to see decisions being made to not go to first year of college and instead to go to community or to go to distance community or to go to like really part time community college instead of four, straight to four year degree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, if our, the employment levels, are super high again like it just says like this is not something you recover from like uh flip a switch do a thing like all of a sudden yeah. everybody who's oh, unemployed yeah. is now employed again and that, i think that's foolhardy to count your chickens before they hatch here and say like well we're gonna have we're expecting a full full load of a regular number in 2021 that's not 2022 that's not gonna happen Right, that because it's going like, to happen anyway. Now it's not going to happen for yeah. sure. Right, yeah, yeah because like I don't know. We're, we're way into speculation, yeah. but I, I think I'm right on that one item. Right. <laughs> no, I feel so, good about it. I feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's just well, this is something else I've seen online. Um, of course, I don't know how to respond to it because I feel selfish, and so I just don't respond. Um, I, a lot of people are sharing this stuff on Facebook about like. Hey, college kids, if your university goes online for the fall, you should go to a community, community college and get the same classes for like half yeah. the price. Except for, like, oh, okay, I see what you mean. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, I would totally give that advice to students all the time. But now I'm like, oh, but I kind of need a job. <laughs> yeah, the, the catch that's, to have, that's now is that, and it's only because it, it seems like it might actually have some possibility of a large chunk of students be all like, yeah, well, this is super expensive and uh, we're really hurting for money. Um, then, I mean, then that's, I guess, the right call for them. But it's like, if nobody starts showing up for college, then your, your school may not exist. Right. If it's, I mean, if you're like Harvard or MIT, yeah, they'll be there, right? They're also going to be all like, yeah, we're going to fill. <laughs> it probably doesn't matter what's going on. You know, if you got into Harvard, you go, yes, I'm going. Is it online? I don't care. I'm going to Harvard because you mm -hmm. got into Harvard, you know, but for regular schools and smaller schools, if people are like, yeah, we're going to hold off and enough people do that, then you just like Drew said for like what happened in, was it 1918 for the Spanish flu? You know, they just close their doors and don't open again. Like it's just, they go under. No. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, or yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and so it's, it, but it's like, like I said, like, that's not the decision that a student needs to bear the burden of. It's like, no, no, you do what you got to do, man. Right. It's just like, be, just do the right decision for you. Also know that in a couple of years, the educational landscape may be different to very different, mm-hmm. you know, depending on who ends up having uh, to just, they just can't carry on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think in terms of students taking a, a, a gap semester, a gap year, you know, I support individual decisions. Um, but I also am like, oh, this could hurt me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's like the bigger schools are going to have a, an easier time with it. The smaller school you are, the less margin you yeah. have. And I think it has to do institutionally, but also like individually, if you're able to pivot through and say, here's what I can deliver, here's what I'm capable of, here's what I learned over my two months, two months of not teaching time, I'm not going to say free time, but um, where you're not having to grade papers per se in June, maybe, I don't know. Um, and university level, institution level as, as well to say like, hey, we pivoted over and we're able to offer this uh, blended model. We're able to offer this in conjunction with community college or whatever it is. And I know colleges are already doing that integration um, articulation, but now it's even more important, right? To be able to get a pipeline of people coming from the local mm-hmm. uh, to your institutions and, and, and the career colleges and wherever into your higher four-year schools well then you also you know to train up your faculty to be able to do not half-assed sort of winging it uh online but like legit online and in my institution we have all i think it's next week actually like a remote it's a faculty development thing right workshop like week workshop week you know like i'm presenting a thing on managing lots of digital assignments so like i'm going to try to walk people through on setting up a octopus class not a sponsor of this podcast, you know, because that's what I use to to put out like, you know, forty papers. Well, it's know. a different, different, different question. But like, why are you using Doctopus still when Classroom does that now? But because we don't have Classroom. Classroom. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not a Google school, my dude. I'm, oh. I'm working on it, but we're not. Isn't I'm it a, a free school domain? Either. I have is, is it is it not free for college? It is free. It is. You have to have an IT guy to like, or lady, to man it or woman it. And, no, uh, no, no. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's true. But you literally just have to go ask Google for the free domain, and they. Well, uh, but I, then it has to be integrated. I mean, I'm on the technology committee, and we talked about this. There is there are a number of things which need to get worked out, which they don't have the manpower to do because we're a small school. <laughs> so we don't have. I mean, IT is already like. Maybe not dying, but like we got a whole new LMS. So, sorry, I, de- I derailed us, but uh, you sent me the yeah. info of how much they pay over there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll put well, you in contact it, with people. If it makes you feel better, Peter, I'm at a much larger school, but they have put all of their eggs in the Microsoft basket. Mm-hmm. And they and they have Canvas, and they're like, listen, we cannot support anything else at this point, which I... I, I, I agree with, with picking one and sticking to it. Uh, that's, a, that's easier for your institution management as an IT management, right? To, Microsoft Teams does all the stuff. Um, 
you know, Google does all the stuff. Otherwise you're cobbling together all kinds right. of extras. And this is really challenging. Yeah. Okay. I have and, many and, things to say about this, but we will. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just like developing the staff is what Peter was talking about. And yes, wow. developing the staff, whether it's on Microsoft Teams or on Google or on open office, you know, open resources, it, it's a big challenge to get people to, to um, develop that skill, which seems a lot of the times to grownups, like this is extra. This is not part of my job. I didn't sign up for this. It's like, yeah, you're right. And this is the tool that sometimes is best for our students and, and uh, oh, makes our workflow even easier. Yeah. If we now it is part of my job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like it is. Yeah. You know, so I mean, so, so they're, they're working on that. And, and, you know, part of that is like, they know, I think every administrator at every college knows this is existential, that if they do not solve this problem, that their institution the problem being the lack of access to online or the poor delivery of what's the problem the problem well the problem of having students paying tuition having students mm -hmm. paying the institution for instruction and that being difficult now if students are not wanting to show up to campus and not wanting to pay for online Okay. If they're not going to show up to campus, right? So like this, this rock and a hard place, every, every institution I'm sure is wrestling with how do we, except for like Phoenix. Yeah, is it somehow, is it somehow like, this is an assumption I'm making that I hope you can clear up. Is it cheaper for me to go by, let's say I wanted to learn um, web design because that's just the topic I have in front of my head. If I go to you, uh, one of the online retailers and I mm -hmm. purchase a online video course, asynchronous oh, most yeah. of the time it's just like even just video and it's not really like a cohort or anything it's kind of individual and maybe it's 200 300 bucks and I learn that and I throw it on my resume and I'm maybe I'm killing it because I'm really good at this style of learning or maybe I just I'm not that good at it anyway that's 300 bucks and I learned it or I didn't and I can get it onto my resume and keep moving forward and show a, a portfolio of hey I built this website with this tool whatever how does college compete with that? So like I that think, cost, right? So like college can't really compete with that cost because it's like six hundred dollars for you know credit hour per credit hour or whatever it is. Um, the difference is like you're doing something a la carte, and as an adult, you're doing professional development or something you're just really interested in. So if I'm really into um, calligraphy and I take an online calligraphy course, it's something I am. I am right. uh, well, but engaged so with, right? I, yeah. So I that's one. That's one. Two <clears throat> is that um, that doesn't give you, that's not a degree. So okay, in there's, terms the, of, there's the cut. Because I would say, aren't we all about to be pretty a la carte? If it's online and I don't have to show up to campus, then I can pretty much select the things I'm interested in, except for when it comes to degree requirements. That's the real. Right. So you can cobble together the topics. Mm -hmm. But even if you're like, oh, I'm going to go look at, you know, Stanford's, you know, degree requirements, and I'm going to cobble together all those, all those classes, all that content, mm -hmm. you do all that, um, you've paid less than you would have paid to go to Stanford, you do not have a Stanford degree. And that's part of the thing with colleges is that you need to fulfill over 50% and how much over it depends on the school it, at that institution 
otherwise you do not get the degree from them. You could have 120 credit hours that filled all the requirements for a bachelor's, but if you did 60% of those credits at another institution or at yeah. different institutions, you well, don't get the but, degree. And that's what I'm saying. Like when I'm looking at a really cheap, like, hey, Thanksgiving sale on Coursera, on Udemy, on the, mm -hmm. the, on these, those are not, I'm not getting credit hours for that. No, I'm getting, absolutely not. I'm getting practical knowledge that I can use at my, job or my career if, right. if you if you haven't entered the career that's really challenging but at the same time if it's a skill-based career where I need to know right whatever it is job, JavaScript whatever right. yeah. I can learn JavaScript without you professor Highland telling me JavaScript I don't need that Stanford Absolutely. doesn't need to give me a accreditation in, in certain things correct right yeah yeah so that's the real difference if you're like I'm going to go into a field where it's just you got to you just got to demonstrate that you can do it and, and go and do it. And that is my impression when I was in say college for say programming. It's like, if you can just program code, some really sweet stuff and send it off a resume and be like, here's my code, check me out, hire me up. This is probably when the, when and then have a board was happening. Have a, yeah. <laughs> have a yeah. portfolio of product and, and have a, a, a interview skills and those things. But yeah. yeah, then you don't need the degree. Right. If you want to program, you don't need a PhD or a master's in, in, in computer science. You just probably need a computer science degree. So, you know, a number of languages and you and you've been taught of, you know, operating system hierarchies and stuff like that, whatever. If yeah. That's even the thing. And then, you know, you learn the languages you want and need to learn and you go and you do it, you know. So so that's the real difference is that uh, you do not get the oversight of someone saying, yes, you went to this school, it meets our standards, yeah. and you have met these requirements. <clears throat> yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of tough decision making. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for everybody, you know, because the schools are going to be, administrators are going to be deciding, you know, what do, what do we do? And, and I think some departments are going to basically get told like, hey, you need to cut this amount of money. We'll let you pick where so go ahead and pick and then the department's gonna be like well this is like more much more than we can easily pick you're probably already lean you know so what limb am i going to cut off you know and admins are already being like well how much how much of the extracurriculars can you know um can we can we keep what do we need to keep what do we have to keep you know are there things that are recruiting still you know, that we need to, these programs that we need to uh, <laughs> keep going, you know, students are be like, well, can I afford, can my parents afford, you know, do I need to not do this and get a job? You know, can I take the gap semester? Can I take the gap here? I think, I think this coming fall is going to be very running up into it and going and going forward in it is going to be very difficult and lots of difficult decisions, hard decisions. Uh, and I don't feel like we're the ones that get to make those decisions. We're kind of caught in the middle between students and administration. And so whatever those people decide, I guess will trickle up or down to us. Yes. Which kind of sucks. It does. Yeah. Our, our future both coming and going is sort of in the hands of students who are deciding whether it is, it is the right decision for them. And then administrators who are deciding, you know, what and how much. So this is um, just a, a curiosity question. You know, Drew brought up in like 1918 that um, they cut tuition. 
And it seems like that's been a real issue um, in the last, especially 10 years, the rising cost of um, higher ed. I don't see a way that, I mean, I would love for higher ed to be cheaper and more accessible, but I don't know that we could survive a huge price cut either. Yeah, I mean, not while keeping your professor's salaries level. Or, and here's the other thing, like, okay, I'm about to make a statement nobody will like, but um, one, of, one of the items that, that was mentioned in that, I was talking about public opinion, one of the items mentioned in that, in that news article uh, in my state was specifically talking about sports and the amount of budget at the university level that is in sports um, suddenly frees up a lot of wiggle room at least for a little while, unless it's, unless it's really severe, in which case sports will be the least of the problems. But you know what I'm saying? Like as far as if, if my university is about uh, education and suddenly we had no budget on uh, NCAA division one level, basketball, football, baseball, right. Then we would not have the available. advertisement income wouldn't be coming in, but I also wouldn't be spending 35 or 40 million uh, budget at some of those institutions. Was um, this like season four of Friday Night Lights where Mrs. Coach was the principal and she didn't buy the Jumbotron and instead spent the money on education and everybody got up in arms? Oh. Sorry, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No, I haven't watched that far in that show. No. I haven't watched a single episode. Skip season two. It's, but anyway. Um, I have heard of some, and I, of course I'm going to get it wrong, but I feel like it was Eastern Carolina University cut some sports teams already for the fall. Um, they were like tennis and volleyball. They weren't football and basketball. I mean, just to be fair. Was, I was going to make an Eastern Carolina joke, but I don't want to. Take off our, our list, all of our Eastern Carolina listeners. Sure. <laughs> I'm not even sure that was it. I'm just making things up. But I do remember there was some school. That's what the one that comes to mind. Shout out and to I, Eastern Carolina, though, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they ended up cutting six teams overall. I mean, it's I mean, again, badminton. It's, sorry, badminton. Yeah, I think it was like tennis and volleyball and golf uh, or something. That's, I'm, I'm laughing and joking. It's kind of sad and it's, and it's uh, upsetting, but. I mean, I, it is know. upsetting. And, well, so, gosh, I can't well, remember what it was because, you know, old brain or whatever. But I think that some schools are starting to see, I mean, we're not talking about like Texas A&M cutting Aggie football or anything crazy like uh, that. That will be the day, right? The um, ground will freeze before they've got happens. a lot of alumni to, you know, like you have right. they got the, they so, got alumni. So that's the thing that I was thinking about is that yeah. having gone to grad school at, at UW Madison, uh, where the Badger football and hockey are huge. Things, Dang, huge you dropped things. some come over here and pick up those names, you just <laughs> <laughs> um, those programs I think they would be very reluctant to cut cut them. Partly because the money that comes in from donors because of football and yeah. I'm guessing ticket sales and merchandise. There's, there's a reason Michigan has the biggest football stadium and it's, it's not, you know, it's because the, the alumni want to watch it. Right. It's, so there's, you know, I, like, I, I think there's a harder decision, I think, for some schools than – then it seems like on the surface because sure you, you know, let's say we just shut down camp randall which is where batters play and no more football how much money is going to be lost right. but, but for so that's easy it's a 
maybe easy is the wrong word. It's a more clear cut decision at a division one at a big 10, big 12, whatever right. we're calling ourselves. But like, I don't know, Atlantic coast conference or something when you're this like third tier or you're division two or division mm-hmm. three or whatever, like that's going to be really difficult to yeah, I mean, cause decide the other, on these things. Well, cause there's the other flip side to it, which is that, you know, say the softball team at my school is a big recruiting tool. Uh, many students who come want to play softball. And so it's not that we are making loads of cash on tickets to watch our, our team play. Um, we don't. But they, they come in and they enroll is, a, is the thing. I right. feel like they we do, but I think partially I'd have to, if I, I'm like not really an administrator by any stretch, but I'd have to think how many of those students are also there on scholarship. Um, because a lot of athletes are there on full or partial scholarships. So if you cut the team, what would really be, I mean, I know I, this is, I don't want to have to make these decisions because these are people, not right. just money. But if you're like, well, but the swimming, the swim team doesn't bring in money and most of them are on scholarship, you might have to trim those corners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is this short term economics of how much does it bring in? How much does it cost me? And there's also longer term. We waded into speculation. and I know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's, this is like at, at every level. Like at every level, like which yeah. which programs that are not sports teams, but like student life programs, you know, are we, are we going to keep every student support service or are there some that we have to get rid of, you know, to cut, to trim costs? Are we going to keep every faculty member or do we have to declare exigency and let some go, you know? And but if you're trying to offer online education stuff, you can't yeah. cut students. We're, we're, we're way out ahead of ourselves on the yeah, uh, timeline. Though. I mean, so what, when, when does your university know final enrollments? Can, what's the latest day I could enroll in August to get a, a class going? Or uh, September the first week, I think. Yeah, you can still enroll okay. the first week of classes. So is it going to be the first week when they're like, oh, maybe like Thursday, maybe we'll get 100,000 more kids signed up? Like, are, are they going no, to be no. the I day mean, before, night before going like, oh, please, let's yeah. not close our doors? So, or, so the numbers are finalized actually, I think, in like the third week, mm-hmm. yeah. something like that. It's, it's into the semester. Um, but I think right, that's, but they're going to be able small. to make predictions. They're going to be able to make predictions earlier than yeah. that, as far as I mean, like, hey, we got a really much lower enrollment right now. Yeah. Um, like typically by July 15, you've got 80% of your kids enrolled properly, right? Or more. So like yeah, we do a student orientation and there's like different sections that they do throughout the summer. And so I think they tried to have everybody in those new student orientations Mm-hmm. enrolled by July 15th. I mean, it used to be, so for K-12, it used to be, you could say, hey, my school, one of the schools I worked at, we had 800 kids. It, uh, next year, we could pretty much guarantee we were going to have within 20. We were going to have 820 or we were going to have 780, you know, because mm-hmm. like a certain number, 10% would leave and 10% would also come from somewhere else. Like there's right. just the kids are the kids in in the place and they either move in or move out, but they basically replace each other and swap that 10% that moves. And you could pretty much guarantee ninth grade is going to have this many kids down to like the tens, you know, 10th grade is going to have this many kids. We know we're going to have to have this many sections and uh, except for stuff like electives, 
we could plan pretty well starting now and make that um, master schedule kind of skeletoned out. But does was university like that at all? Depends on the university. So we, like since we're not pulling from the, from we're, not, we're not pulling from the same yeah. the local pool. So and ours recruitment, is yeah, yeah, yours is compulsory. Ours is voluntary on the student side. The recruitment, the things that they're into, you know, uh, you know, we have a softball team because that was a draw that would get more students in. We also we also doing pretty well. You know, uh, we have just started an esports team. You know, I, you know, this is to be appealing. I think that's going places. You need to follow that. Yeah, I'll, I'll draft, get in on draft that. and follow. Uh, so that's. Um, you know, so this is, so it's part of that recruitment. And if you're not doing a good job, then, then things are going to decline, even if the general pool is the same. And of course, if the general pool is shrinking, but you're, you're killing it on your recruitment, then you may have stable numbers or even increasing numbers that can, that can happen. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's more of a case by case. I think in general numbers have been declining. I don't, has your, Peter, has your admin said anything about like a final decision about class delivery or any of that stuff? I'm going to say no. It's possible that some things went out that I've missed. I don't think so though. Um, I think that would be later. That would be later the last half of the summer where they would uh, try to make that decision. Um, I think they're going to try to delay it as long as possible so that they have yeah, as accurate information as possible. The admin said we'd have to wait until July before we knew for sure about right. what was going to happen. And we were like, no, we want to know in June. And they're like, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, at some so, level they're like, they're, they're all like, you're like, make a decision. You're like, but we don't know. It's like now <laughs> they're yeah. like, we want to wait now. Yeah. Well, they we were saying I mean, if you force us to make a decision. It's probably not going to be the best one essentially. So um, we had, we had all of our districts around us are declining enrollment or, or were at the beginning, you know, in February and our district was still enrolling in April, late April, May, we're still, still enrolling. <laughs> it's just, it's just boggling. I'm not sure what's happening. Huh. Must be cheap houses. I don't know. Well, that's good for them. Yep. <laughs> well, and I think too, like in terms of planning, like we can maybe call it on July 1st or July 15th, but I still think there's going to be students students who will decide not to come right before, which there's always a few that do that. But I feel like this might give, I mean, it, it just really depends like what the situation is like. This um, could change that number who could pull out at the last minute and decide not to come. Yeah. Yeah. That was truly the struggle I was having with a lot of meetings I sat in the last two or three weeks was like, there's anger and there's, and there's um, confusion and, and about, decision-making and planning. And at the same time, a lot can change before August, September, where what you're mad about now may be vastly different. So the, the conversation for K-12 parents is masks and distancing and everything. It's like, well, that may not be the problem we're worried about in August. Right. Maybe yeah. it is. I don't know. It's just so early. Well, like all the speculation we just did about like sports teams and cutting and all that stuff, I'm sure all of that stuff is happening on various levels. Like, well, how will we clean the classrooms and blah, 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 blah. You know, and I know there are groups oh. of people on campus who are having these conversations and throwing out all these what ifs and how and blah. And I don't, I just, it sucks. Yeah, we've had that conversation actually. 
Yeah. Well, is, this, is that getting communicated out to all the team members that are that need to know it? And well, yeah, basically like our faculty and staff meeting where it was mm -hmm. web web thing, and everybody could throw out questions like, "Well, could we just wipe our own classes down between classes?" They're like, "That's a possibility. We need to see if we actually get those supplies." Yeah, exactly. no. Plus, I don't trust you. You'd have to be trained and on it because. Well, and then what happens if one kid gets sick? Are the faculty then liable or liable? <laughs> liable. Yes, yeah. I was yeah. like, I don't know what I was like. I don't know what came out, but are they are they are we responsible for that? And it's like, well, it wasn't professionally cleaned. Or is someone going to get sued? I mean, it's a courtesy that I would do. <laughs> well, I don't know, but like this was like, these are like the things that are coming up, and you're right. So, yeah, well, can we yeah. even? I don't even know if Clorox wipes are a thing right now. They are my house, but stay, uh... I, I have my own, but I haven't tried to purchase them in bulk. Uh, it just disappeared like toilet paper. So anyway, gap semester gap year. Gap semester gap year. Students, you make the right decision for you. We'll we'll um, try to make the right. I mean, we'll make the right decision for us as much as decisions we have available to us. It's going to be if we chaotic. all get, if we it's get laid good. off, we'll have to change the topic of our podcast to something else. Maybe it's called like baking or pivoting or whatever. Pivoting, uh, yeah. We're going to make employment works. Uh, <laughs> we're going to call it entrepreneurial uh, money making schemes. That's, That's what right. we'll call it. Snake oil. I hustle, or actually. <laughs> The hustle because we don't have <laughs> side. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, so it has a front hustle, not front a side hustle. Yes, front. yeah, main main hustle. All right, hustle. we better end it here before All it right. gets silly. We don't want it to get silly. Right. <laughs> I'm a professor. I have professorial dignity. So who knows what's going to happen to us? <laughs> it's true. Well, thanks, thanks, Melody and Drew. It was a good conversation. If totally speculatory and nobody knows anything because that's, that's, that's where we live. Waste of everybody's time. Uh, Very sorry. I mean, sorry. Isn't that, like what things are right now. So it's fine. That's right. If you have a question for me, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D, or shoot me an email, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Next time, whenever that is. Whenever that is. <laughs>